Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. It is Monday, April the 18th, 2022. Happy Easter to you. Praise be to God. It's going to be a great week, great lineup for shows for you this week. Lots of great topics being covered. So uh, today, guess what happened over the weekend? Alyssa Milano says, Fathers telling their sons to take care of your mother is misogynistic. What's going on with Alyssa Milano? You know, I have to, I have to, I have to admit this publicly. When I was a kid... When I was a little, like, preteen, teen kind of thing, she's like, who's the boss was a thing. I had a poster of her on my wall in the bedroom. Yeah, not so much anymore. Alyssa Milano, kind of a tragedy. But it's a teachable moment. We'll talk about that coming up to 15 past the hour. But it also is very interesting because in the resurrection, who does our Lord appear to first? The women. Why? The women. What does the resurrection mean in your life as well? That's coming up with Father Simon Gain from uh, the Order of Preachers, the Dominican, coming up at 35 past the hour. Lots of news this weekend to cover as well. Unfortunately, lots of shootings in the stories today. Mass shootings leave 31 people wounded. One suspect was arrested. $25,000 bond is all he had. That's kind of amazing. From house parties in Pittsburgh to a mall in South Carolina. Some bad stories there. Muslims attack Easter week procession in Spain pelts Christians with rocks and projectiles. I bet you're not going to hear that in the news. I'm wondering. Hmm. Historic World War II ship, the Fighting Sullivans. Five brothers. The last name of Sullivans died on the same ship in World War II, fighting in the Pacific. They named a ship after them called the Sullivans. That is sinking right now, that ship, and they're having to try to rescue this boat. That was kind of a sad story. But Christ is risen nonetheless. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It Amen. is a fantastic day, and happy Easter. Yeah, praise be to God. Happy how's Easter. That, how's, that, how's that coffee, Joe? Oh, what's man. it taste? What's it I taste like? After about the first 200 ounces, I was starting to think, <laughs> have I gone too far already? Have I regressed? Have I? Have I, <laughs> I mean, should one wade you know, more carefully into the coffee pool before jumping into the deep end and trying to go to find its depth? I would. I'd have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I drank... Seventy-five percent of a pot last last night. Wow! Yeah, pretty sure. I gave my wife the other twenty-five percent. <laughs> but today I'm thirty ounces into it right now. Nice. Yeah, praise be to God. <laughs> Speaking of going to the depths of reality, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Did you make it to the pre-55? I did and I did not. On Thursday, <laughs> I made it. Okay. On okay. Uh, Friday, I did not. And on Saturday, I did make it. So it's a little bit of a mixture. Thursday, mm. I drove to Sulphur and went to the Institute of Christ the King Mass there. It was beautiful liturgy. So much to say there. And then uh, I drove all the way to New Orleans. The TFP let me stay at their place in New Orleans, so thank you to them. Nice. And uh, we had a uh, procession with Our Lady of Fatima uh, dressed as Our Lady of Sorrows, and we processed her around the nine churches. 
and I had planned on being like, you know, done, you know, the procession would be over. I'm like, eh, the procession couldn't last six hours. Could uh, it? And <laughs> I'll just leave and then I'll head over to the 55 liturgy. It'll be great. The procession did, in fact, last six hours. <laughs> and, and so uh, six I didn't. Hours six hours later. hours, five miles carrying Our Lady of Fatima is great, great, wow. wonderful. Pray so I went to the God. 62 Mass for Friday and then I made it to Sulphur on Saturday for the vigil and then made it home before Easter. Sunday. Wow. Well, that's, a, that's a full weekend. We also celebrated our uh, one of our middle son's uh, birthdays, 13. Happy I have, birthday. Wow. I have now three teenagers under roof as well as a six-year-old <laughs> uh, and uh, and three dogs and a cat and, and all the rest. So it's a full house at our place. And over the weekend, it was fun. We had friends over yesterday. My son and his wife and our grandchildren were over. Praise be to God. We had some friends from church come over. And I, I mean, it was just a really great day yesterday. We had a good time. The accordion was played. I mean, the squeeze box is always a good time. You know what I'm saying? It's always a good time. So uh, I hope and pray that you, dear listener, had a wonderful weekend. And uh, we're very grateful to be back on with you. Hey, Pete, good morning to you. Zamani, good morning to you. It's good to see new faces in the chats on the live streams as well. If you can hang out with us on radio, please check us out on, on the Guadalupe Radio Network and Station of the Cross Networks. I have put... I put uh, actual uh, call signs, frequencies, and locations. I've listed all the stations that carry our show live on our website. So if you're interested to see if there's a radio station near you that you can tune in on, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can uh, scroll down. You'll see actually where it says listen live on radio. You can find it there. We're going to pray our memorari. We're back to the memorari since Lent is over, and we're going to get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember... O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, April 17th, and these are your headlines. Axios reports Musk's saga reveals how core Twitter is to U.S. politics. Musk's move to buy out Twitter just shows how vital it has become over its 16 years to the instant dissemination and analysis of political information. Twitter is politicians' first stop for breaking news and shaping views. No single company does more to drive almost instantaneous political conversation, and many times conservatives are censored or kicked off the platform for holding opposing views. Breitbart reports nearly a million Ukrainian refugees have already returned to their country. In the last week alone, around 330,000 Ukrainian refugees have returned to their country, with a total of 870,000 having returned in total so far. Excuse me. A spokesman for the Ukrainian border security has claimed that between 25,000 and 30,000 Ukrainians are returning to the country each day. The return of Ukrainian refugees to their home country may come as a logistical relief for countries like Poland, which has taken in the largest share of Ukrainians since the conflict began. Reuters reports Russia says flagship missile cruiser Moskva has sunk after a fire. The missile cruiser Moskva, the flagship of, the Rus of Russia's Black Sea Fleet, has sunk in stormy seas following a major fire on board. Russia's defense ministry said it had been badly damaged by a fire. Ukraine, however, said the shipboard blaze resulted from their missile strike, but each story wasn't verified. 
Daily Wire reports 210,000 illegal immigrants arrested at border in March, more than 80,000 released into country. Border Patrol apprehended more than 2.1 million illegal immigrants in the first year of the Biden administration. This is notwithstanding the estimated half million plus aliens who eluded Border Patrol and successfully made it into the U.S. Last week, the city of Portland, Maine, said it would have to delay their submission of their budget for the fiscal year of 2023 because the city can no longer financially afford to take care of the influx of individuals. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Apollonius the Apologist. No, no, that doesn't mean he apologized a lot. It means he's a defender of the faith. He was born sometime around the early 2nd century. He was a martyr whose apologia, or defense of the faith, is considered one of the most priceless documents of the early church. Apollonius was a Roman senator who was denounced as a Christian by one of his slaves. The Praetorian prefect Sextus Tigidius Preninius arrested him. Apollonius was an illustrious Roman, even it seems a senator, and an exceedingly talented man. Well-versed in philosophy, he was denounced as a Christian to the Praetorian prefect, Preninius. He was summoned to defend himself, and he read to the Senate, according to St. Jerome, a remarkable volume in which, instead of recanting, he defended the Christian faith. As a result, he was condemned to death on the basis of the law, which was established by Emperor Trajan. The sources say that he was subjected to two investigations, the first by the prefect Preninius, the second three days later by a group of senators and jurists. The hearings were conducted in a calm and courteous manner, and Apollonius was permitted to speak with only rare interruptions. He was aimed to skidding him to tone down his remarks, which were making him liable to punishment. Apollonius was not afraid to die because he said, There is waiting for me something better, eternal life given to the person who has lived well on earth. And he argued for the superiority of Christian, Christian, Christians' concepts of di- death and life. The sources disagree in the manner of his death. The Greek Passio says that he died having his legs crushed, a punishment inflicted also on the slave who denounced him. But in the Armenian account, he was decapitated. I say, why not both? He, was, he died in 185. St. Apollonius, the apologist, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel comes to us today from Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 through 15. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce the news to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had happened. The chief priests assembled with the elders and took counsel, and they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we are asleep. And if this gets to the ears of the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has circulated among the Jews to the present day. The Gospel of the Lord. 
praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And Hillary would say, the women, having been comforted by the angel, are straightway met by the Lord, that when they should proclaim his resurrection to the disciples, they should speak rather from Christ's own mouth than from an angel's, close quote, St. Hilary. Jerome would say, St. Jerome would say, quote, a twofold feeling possessed the minds of the women, fear and joy. Fear at the greatness of the miracle, joy in the desire of him that was risen, but both added speed to their women's steps as it follows and did run to bring his disciples' word. They went to the apostles that through them might be spread abroad the seed of the faith. They who thus desired and who thus ran merited to have their rising Lord come to meet them. Whence it follows, and behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail, close quote, St. Jerome. St. Jerome would also say, quote, The women ought first to hear this hail, that the curse of the woman Eve may be removed in these women, close quote, St. Jerome. I think it's very powerful. Two thoughts there really quickly. One, they're the ones who ran. They're the ones with great faith stood at the foot of the cross. They're the ones who run to embrace our Lord, even if it was nothing more than his dead body. They at least did that much. How few of us there are that would even do that. And I find that very, very fascinating for sure. And then, of course, this typology of Eve undoing the knot of Eve and, and all of that. I think it's powerful. Wait till the next hour. Next hour, I'll share with you the Chrysologus quote, which I think is just really, really awesome. But I'll share that next hour. Why the women first? Hadock's commentary says, according to St. Mark, Christ appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and the particulars are related by St. John. She at first did not know him, but took him for the gardener. Then he called her by name, Mary, and she knew him. He said to her, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. In other words, according to the common exposition, I have not ascended, nor am I yet going to ascend. Thou mayest see me again before I ascend. This is not the last time. We also read here that he appeared to some of the other women as they were, they were returning to Jerusalem from the sepulcher, and that they laid hold on his feet and adored him, nor is it said that he hindered them. He goes on to talk about the feet, and I find it fascinating. He says, they were then returning to carry the news to the disciples when they laid hold of his feet. To touch the feet was in the, in the scripture a species of veneration, as among the Greeks touching of the knees in Homer's Iliad. I find it fascinating. Would that we would have the faith, the zeal, and the courage of these women to run to the tomb and to embrace the feet of our Lord. We'll be right back. What's concerning us? It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive, come up. Be right back. Some Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, the Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the First Commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right. For immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. 
So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry and having statues in its places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, Dominican Father Simon Gain is going to be our guest to talk about the resurrection. You know, we're going to ask some questions like the historical accuracy, of course, but also what the resurrection should mean in your life. How do you take, how do you take this away? How do, you, how do you meditate on this? How do you chew on this? How does this impact your decisions today and tomorrow and the rest of your life? That's coming up with Father Simon Gain, OP, coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Now, I saw this headline, and, you know, it, I don't know how worthy of a conversation it really is, but I also feel like it's a teachable moment. Alyssa Milano says, fathers telling sons to take care of your mother is misogynistic. Get thoroughly trounced on the Twitters, I suppose. Her quote, her woke opinion only hurts women, close quote. Well, Alyssa Milano caught my attention because, as I shared at the top of the hour, when I was a kid, uh, of course, I watched all the TV, all the movies I wanted. You, you name it, I was watching it, right? I mean, up 2 o'clock in the morning watching, you know, uh, kung fu movies with bad uh, lip reading going down. I mean, I was into all of it. Friday the 13th, I mean, Porky's, all of it. Who's the Boss was one of my favorite shows. She played in those days the teenage daughter of one of the main characters, whose name is escaping me at the moment. But anyway. I had a poster of Alyssa Milano on my wall as a kid. Um, you know, it's like today, I suppose, I don't even know who the, like, the, the pop stars are today. I don't have the slightest clue. And I certainly wouldn't allow my kids to put posters like that up on their walls, for sure. But to me, when I was a kid, Alyssa Milano was a very attractive teenager, and, and, and so she was garnering a lots of attention. You know, but as you grow, you realize, that, you know, the ship is, is not quite steady. It's It's... It's listing in a certain direction, and things aren't looking good. And I, I would want to say that when she began to play a witch in, on television, like, okay, this is a problem. She's embracing this uh, sort of uh, really crazy ideology. And, uh, and then she starts to speak out publicly. And then you realize that she's post-abortive and she's hurt. And she's been this way for now a long time. And so now when I see her in the headlines, I kind of feel pity for her in some ways because I'm post-abortive, and I know what that's like. A devoid of Christ, devoid of, of healing, and there's lots of great healing retreats for post-abortive people that you can go on. It's pretty fantastic. There's some, uh, like, for instance, for guys, there's a, a retreat called the Samson Retreat by my, my friend Mark Kauk, the Kingsman. Really, really good stuff. Praise be to God. But if you don't, like, have this opportunity to sort of come to grips with this giant wound in your life, then you just, you're like a, you really are like a, a rudderless ship. You're out there being tossed about by the waves. And Alyssa Milano is kind of that way. Here's just like the first 
paragraph or so here. It says, Alyssa Milano, who was not, who, who has no shortage of questionable tweets that have been uh, widely panned, uncorked yet another post. I like this is from The Blaze, by the way. Uncorked yet another post on Twitter that was thoroughly trounced by many. Quote, the Who's the Boss actress ticked off a generous number of Twitter users this weekend by claiming that fathers telling their sons to, quote, take care of your mother is misogynistic. On Thursday night, Melissa uh, Milano tweeted, can we stop saying to our sons things like, take care of your mothers while I'm gone? This is insinuating that women can't take care of themselves. And it's bull's excrement. <laughs> you know, and um, of course, Twitter reacts. I mean, that's what Twitter does. I mean, it's just Twitter's like that. They're just going to pile on one way and the other. I'm sure it's it's been pretty insane. I don't really care about the Twitter part of it, but I think it's a teachable moment. You know, this is something I this is a topic that I get very passionate about the role of man as husband and father. It's something I've spoken countless times all across the United States and overseas. And it is something that I think is an opportunity for us to, to take a step back and to think about for a moment. Is it misogynistic for fathers to train their children to take care of their, of their mother? I mean, what happened to the day when children would take care of their aging parents? Go to China right now and watch them reeling from the one job policy now. Because there are no children to take care of aging parents now. And this is part of the reason why they need two children and maybe three children now in their policy. Or now with the Shanghai uh, you know, starvation thing going on, it's probably going to be worse. We see this all the time just on that one practical level. You know, we have to talk about 401ks and retirement plans, and these are necessary. These are important things, of course, planning for one's retirement being practical. But, you know, it used to be that your children would take care of you in your elderly age because you were there to take care of them in their infant age, helping to raise them. This is part of the family structure. This is the design of God. And let alone think about the role of man in family. Genesis chapter 2, our Lord gives a very specific command to Adam. He is to Abudah and to Shamar, to keep and to protect. To protect what? To keep what? The garden? Yes, of course. He is the priest king in the garden. He is king over the creatures there. He is the priest to keep and to maintain this garden, to extend the boundaries of the garden and to go into the wild, to cultivate it, to transform it. Right? That's part of his job. And these, these two words, Abu Da and Shamar, they have implications that the Israelites who were being taught this by Moses on their exodus out of Egypt after slavery, this was one of Moses' primary tasks was to catechize these Israelites. You have forgotten who you are. You've been slaves for 430 years. You've given your hearts to paganism. Let me teach you all about who you actually are, your history, what you're supposed to know, what God wants you to know. That's what the first five books are really all about, especially Genesis. It is a catechist on God's intention for their life and who they are. And so these two words, Abu Da and Shamar, have implications to the Levites 
protecting and guarding the tabernacle in the wilderness with swords even. And so this is Adam's job to keep and protect. He is king over this garden. It's true. However, he was not, he could not find his equal among all the created creatures, which is why God from his side formed Eve. And they're equal. They aren't equal in duties. They aren't equal in tasks. They are equal in dignity, but each has their own role to play. And Adam's job was to keep and to protect even his spouse, even against intruding creatures that might be overwhelming, creatures that might be scary, like the great Nahash, for instance, which comes in at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The very sentence after we read that Adam and Eve are bound in the one flesh union, the intimate, the most intimate, most vulnerable moment in the marriage between a man and a woman, in that intimate embrace. This is the moment that the great Nahash, the serpent, the venomous reptile enters into the scene and confronts them both. This is that moment. The Nahash you find elsewhere in sacred scripture. You might read it as Leviathan. You might read it as the great sea creature. You also might read it in Revelation chapter 12 as the seven-headed dragon, the ancient serpent. And yes, even this creature was to be defended against by Adam because he was given the task to Abudah and to Shamar to keep and to protect. That's his job. Even if it meant he was going to die by this creature, yes, stop thinking of it as a garden snake hanging from an apple tree. Please stop that nonsense because that's not what's going down here. This is an affront, an attack, uh, an intimidation upon Adam and Eve. And his job was to stand in the gap, to die for his spouse if necessary, to trust in the Lord that he would even have the ability to raise him from the dead if necessary. But even if he didn't, that was his job. And he didn't do it. He allowed instead his wife to do all the negotiating with this creature, this intruder into the garden. And the rest, as we say, is history. You know the history. But to respond to Alyssa Milano, in fact, it is our job as husbands and fathers to protect our families, to provide for our families, to care for them, to, to do the hard f uh, labor necessary. I mean, that's why our bodies are built this way, to do this type of work. And yes, we should raise little boys into becoming men to care for those whom God has placed into their care and custody. And yet we see now an entire world filled with adult bodies contained in little children, in their personalities, in their attitudes, in their way of looking at the world. Juveniles occupying adult flesh. And this is part of the problem with society. We want to, with feminism, we want to reject the masculine genius, because we see it as an affront. It is not God's intention or design to make one compete or destroy the other. They're meant to be complementary. This is why when Adam names all the creatures, because if he's been given this, this knowledge by God to know these creatures, to name them, the purpose, the exercise is not the physical naming. It's the reality of the bottom line here, which is among all these creatures, there is none equal to the human. 
Because unlike these creatures, man has a rational soul. Unlike these irrational creatures, number one, he does not find his equal. Because man is utterly unique in all of creation. Like uh, an animal, we have a physical body. Like an angel, we have a rational soul. But unlike those two, we have both. Makes us unique. Which is why he formed Eve. And his very first words upon seeing this wonderful creature with a rational soul was, Woman, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is covenant language. When Adam enters into a covenant relationship with Eve and the two become one. This is the design from the very beginning. Back up one chapter. In the beginning, God made them man and woman. And said to them, go forth and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So we can run. We can have all these wounds. I'm post-abortive. Alyssa Milano's post-abortive. And we have these giant, massive wounds in our heart because of the mortal sins that we've chosen to commit. But unlike her, I made frequent access and still do to this day, frequent access to the gift of the, of the sacrament of reconciliation, of confession, to receive God's forgiveness, to hear the beautiful and amazing words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ spoken through the priest in the confession, I absolve you. I've been able to enjoy this gift and she could too, but she must run as the women, you know, at the tomb ran to our Lord and embraced his feet. Those that choose to do that will receive great grace. Those that choose not are going to leave grace on the table. And that is a sad thing. Let's pray for people like this. Let us not let, let them be left out there without someone to pray, to fast, and to do penance. Even though Lent is over, you and I still have that opportunity. So let's not forget the Alyssa Milanos of the world. We'll be right back. Breaking news and stories from Father is coming up next. Talk about resurrection. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Happy Easter, by the way. LifeSite reports Pope Francis to visit 
Canada's Indigenous people as early as July. Francis's meetings with indigenous, le indigenous leaders were focused primarily around the church's involvement in the residential school system in the 19th and 20th centuries in Canada. While the schools were installed by the Canadian government, various Christian churches, including the Catholic Church, operated the schools, which were populated with Indigenous children. While there were certainly instances of abuse within the residential school system, relations between the church and the Indigenous communities have been drastically worsened over the last year by misleading reports that claim that mass graves of hundreds of bodies were discovered in the ground at former residential schools. None of the bodies have been found, by the way. Reuters reports Biden to nominate former Treasury official Barr to stop uh, to, to to Fed to top regulatory job. Excuse me. <laughs> if confirmed, Barr, who would have a vote on monetary policy issues, would arrive at the Fed as it's conf uh, confronting its highest inflation in 40 years, with officials promising an aggressive series of interest rate hikes this year to rein in prices. The central bank is also planning to cull its $9 trillion balance sheet. Breitbart reports, Sweden sees days of riots over Quran-burning Danish politician. Riots and violence took place in Skagatorp area of the city in Linkoping, Linkoping ahead of a demonstration by Danish anti-Islam politician Rasmus Paludan, leader of the Stram Kurs party. The violent riots led to at least three police officers being injured after being hit with stones and rocks and several vehicles set on fire, including a police car. And the Washington Examiner reports, winning big, a man fired after unwanted birthday party wins $450,000 in suit. A Kentucky man sued his employer for disability discrimination and retaliation after he was subject to an unwanted birthday party and subsequently fired. He won at least $450,000. The man said he was he informed his employer that a birthday would trigger his anxiety disorder. Being the center of attention would cause the man to endure an anxiety attack, according to the report. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Joining us right now is uh, Dominican priest Father uh, Simon Francis Gain, former regent of studies of the English province, as well as the author of several books, one to include Did the Savior See the Father, published by Bloomsbury in 2015. Good morning to you, Father Gain. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me on your program. Yeah, praise be to God. We're very grateful that you are here. Thank you for your time. We want to talk about the resurrection. Um, you know, I want to start with, I want to do a couple of things. One is to really just sort of meditate upon what the resurrection, how it should inform our life, how it should sort of change the decisions we might make today, tomorrow, and, and the days ahead. But let me start with more of the historical aspect of it. I saw an article out of The Federalist today that sort of compared the resurrection authority, the historical account to some others. Let me just read this really short part. It says, consider, for instance, that the authenticity of Alexander the Great, who was born some eight, 350 years before Christ, is based on two original biographical accounts of his life by Arian and Plutarch, which 
uh, were written some 400 years after Alexander died. The manuscript of Virgil and Horace, both of whom lived within a generation of Christ, were written more than four centuries after their deaths. The copy of works by Livy and Tacitus on Roman history and the works of Pliny Secundus on natural history were written on average some 700 years after the time of the original account. Yet no one doubts Virgil and Horace lived and authored great poetic masterpieces. Nor do we hear questions about the authenticity and accuracy of accounts of Livy and Tacitus and chron chronicling the events of the Roman emperors, Augustus, Claudius, Nero, Tiberius. About 1,000 times more manuscripts preserve the deeds and teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus in the New Testament, about 25,000 total, than there are preserving other classical ancient works of historic figures who lived at approximately the same time, with the exception of Homer, whose Iliad is backed by about 1,800 manuscripts. And I find that very fascinating, those comparisons. Why do you think, Father, so many doubt the resurrection when, uh, and, but yet they will, they will definitely believe in Alexander the Great and these others, as this article makes, makes a point of? Well, I think often in ancient history, people are, are very pleased if they have some slight evidence for something, because it's not as though there's a great deal, masses and masses of evidence for many things that we take quite seriously as historical. However, people do get more excited, it's true, when it's a matter of talking about the historicity of Jesus, of the things that he did and the things that happened to him. So you have to ask why people are, are get more excited about the historicity of those events. And I think it's because those events are, are potentially of going to make a great difference to your life, especially if those events were true, if they really happened. You have to reckon with those events in a very serious way that you don't really have to with things about uh, Alexander the Great or... Julius Caesar or whoever it might be. If Jesus is risen from the dead, if a human being has come back to life and appeared to people who are witnesses to him, well, that's going to make quite a difference to your own life, especially if this is somebody who was the fulfillment of God's work through the people of Israel. If he is God come to be one of us, if those are the claims made about this man, if that's what we take from his teaching, and he rose from the dead, well, it's going to make a very big difference to your life if those claims are true. So I'm not surprised if people get more excited <laughs> about the evidence for the historicity of Jesus and so on, rather than all the other figures who lived in the ancient world. You know, Father, there, the historicity of our Lord is uh, talked about a lot by Fulton Sheen, who is uh, one of my favorite authors. I, I devour everything he he's puts out, uh, or did put out, rather. And one thing that he... Can I just say that he's... Oh, yeah. I the... just say that he also studied. He was an alumnus at the university where I teach in Rome. I just oh, thought I'd throw God. that in. <laughs> great, great plug for, for the university right there. But the but one thing that, that Fulton Sheen would talk about is the reverberations that our Lord had at his resurrection. And it was at that point that 
nobody could just ignore Christ anymore. Now everyone has to deal with him. You know, the Muslims came to have him as as a prophet. The Jews say he's a false messiah. The Buddhists say he's just another uh, guru. But everybody has to deal with him. They have to figure out what do we do with this character of Christ who said, claimed to be God and had all these teachings and had these miracles that are alleged, some things that are more provable than others. Uh, what say you, Father? What is the effects and reverberations of the resurrection? Well, if we want to look at the reverberations, the good effects that this can have on our lives, I think you need to understand, first of all, that Christ's resurrection is what scripture calls the first fruits. It's the beginning of a resurrection. It's the beginning of a whole new humanity and a whole new creation. So one thing that that means is that the resurrection is going to be, bring about, it's going to cause our resurrections at the end of time. So that's one very important difference that the resurrection makes to the whole of human history, that it's the beginning of a new history that will lead to the resurrection of our bodies at the end of time. And we hope then to share through the resurrection in the power of Jesus's own resurrection. However, we mustn't just think that the resurrection brings a difference to our bodies at the end of time. The resurrection is also something that affects our souls, and that can start here and now. So we, through Christ's resurrection, we shall enjoy the resurrection of our bodies at the end of time. But this reverberation, as uh, Fulton Sheen calls it, this begins in our souls even now. There's a kind of resurrection that can happen in our souls when our souls are raised up from sin to share in the grace of the spirit of Jesus. And that's a difference that can start in our souls, a resurrection in our souls, even now. You know, we, I often think of Easter as like a new beginning. You know, I kind of get the same sentiment at, I guess, at Christmas time as well. It feels like we have another chance. And uh, with the resurrection in particular, especially uh, this, uh, this particular weekend, I was able to make a good confession before Mass. And boy, it's like a one-two punch. You go to confession, you go to Holy Communion, you feel like you could float. I mean, it's just, it's such an amazing experience. It really heightens the opportunity. But then as soon as Mass is over, I'm, re I'm hit square fact, uh, right in the face with uh, my concupiscence, you know? How do we, how, how can we leverage what we receive in the graces of the sacraments and the reality of resurrection with the battle of our concupiscence, Father? Mm -hmm. I think the answer to this is actually lies in ordinary, normal Christian life, which is in fact something quite extraordinary. So we want to ask, how can we take that meaning of Easter, which we experience in this special way in the liturgy and the sacraments oh, over those so, few days? I hate days. to do this to you, Father, but please, Father, please hold that thought. I apologize. Three days off, I've forgotten how to manage the clock. i got to go to a quick break. We're going to come right back. Father Simon Gain, OP, is our guest. Talking about the resurrection, we'll pick up right there on the other side of this short break. Don't go to our couch drive. Come here back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. 
Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Team, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, our guest is Father Simon Gain from the Order of Preachers, the Dominicans. We're talking about the resurrection. Welcome back to the show, Father. I, I had to interrupt you. I apologize for that. But uh, I, I was asking you bef- before the break about how we leverage this opportunity at Easter time to really combat concupiscence, which seems to... Part of the reason why we always confess the same sins is because we haven't really combated concupiscence. So maybe pick up where you left off, Father. Okay. So concupiscence will go away with the final resurrection, because when we share in the resurrection, then there'll be a perfect relationship between our bodies and our souls, and there'll be a perfect relationship between our soul and God. Uh, Concupiscence will go away and will be conquered at the end of time in the resurrection of the body. But I'm talking now about the resurrection of our souls, something that we experience now. And in in the now, in the present, concupiscence remains. So in other words, we still have an inclination to sin. And that's something of a battle for us as we continue through the journey of faith towards the resurrection. I think it remains in us for a reason, and that is that we come closer to Christ through his cross and so share in his resurrection. So I suppose God could have taken away concupiscence now, transformed our bodies into spiritual bodies, as St. Paul talks of, even now. But in fact, God has given us this opportunity to make a journey to the resurrection, and that's a journey that's a struggle, where we struggle with concupiscence, because we are having a certain sharing in the cross of Christ in order to come to his resurrection. So the question is, how can we best undertake that struggle with the help of God's grace, taking something from the meaning of the resurrection? And I think we need to look at the ordinary parts of our Christian life and see that they are all linked to the resurrection. Their power flows out of Christ's resurrection, 
and leads us through the cross back into Christ's resurrection, into that mystery and a resurrection for ourselves. So even if we think of the ordinary parts of Christian life, let's think we go to Mass on a Sunday. Well, why is it that we go to Mass on a Sunday as something that the church obliges us to? We can, of course, go to Mass every week, every day, sorry, and we're blessed if we can do that every day. But there's something special about Sunday Mass because Sunday is the day of resurrection. If you think about it, every Sunday is a kind of a little Easter because every Sunday we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So there's something that we need to think about there when we go to Mass, that we're actually always at Mass sharing in the power of Christ's resurrection. If we hold that in mind, that can, that can help us think all year round of how we battle with, with sin, with concupiscence. Father, I love what you're saying there. I mean, that is one really awesome practical suggestion for the lady to remember Easter every single Sunday. What other practical uh, examples would you give to somebody? You know, we we have we have very uh, very fickle nature. We get to Easter, we get to you know X a holy day, and then we kind of move on to everything else. But you know, what would what other sort of practical uh, examples would you give to somebody who just kind of kind of goes back to the old self, so to say? I think as well as thinking about what we do every time we go to Mass on a Sunday, we should also think about every day, okay? Now, the way that we pray shapes our day. It's very, morning prayers are very important because they consecrate the day to God. You get started in the right kind of way. Now, often in the church's prayer, in the evening, we think more of Christ's death because, of course, he died at three in the afternoon, and the evening was already a time when sacrifice was offered in the temple. So that's something about our evening prayers. But our morning prayers, we need to make special in a way that relates to the resurrection, because the resurrection itself took place at the very beginning of the day. When they go to the tomb, it's still dark, but darkness is just turning to dawn, and that's the time of resurrection. So we need to think about how our morning prayers can direct us towards the risen Christ. I think that one way we can do this in our morning prayers is to give thanks for the resurrection of Christ and give thanks for what it means in our lives. Of course, there's all sorts of things that we should thank God for, and I think it's very important that we build these into our morning prayers at the beginning of the day to direct our lives in such a way that we can keep that in mind during the whole day that Christ is risen and he has raised up our souls. So I think the, our morning prayers are absolutely central to us for this every day. We're talking with Father Simon Gain, Order of Preachers, about the resurrection. Father, I want to ask you about the women who uh, our Lord met with first. I find this utterly fascinating. Of course, uh, outside of sacred scripture, like, for instance, the mystical city of God, uh, we know that our—we understand our Lord met with our Blessed Mother 
uh, privately and intimately and, you know, on numerous occasions. But I find it very fascinating that our Lord first met with the women. And, and I'm fascinated by this because it was them that stood at the foot of the cross, unlike most of the disciples that didn't. You know, it's them that run to the tomb, even to embrace a dead body. And uh, it's them that embrace his feet and hold on. It's like they, they seem to model great courage and great faith. Uh, is that the primary reason our Lord met with them first? That's a very good question. I think that that has to be true in that he wanted to allow them to show their faithfulness to him, to allow them to show their devotion to him. And of course, when they were ready, say, to take him by the feet to show that they had this uh, desire to worship God in Christ. And he wanted that to be clearly manifest. So he wanted in some way the disciples who were going to witness the resurrection. He wanted them, the 11, to learn from the women and see that they could learn from their virtue. They could learn from their faithfulness and that there were clues here for them, for what they had to think about in their own lives and their own response to the resurrection. And it also shows us something important all through history among those who follow Jesus, uh, the importance of those who are not, say, bishops or priests, the example of all the faithful, that's that we are all called to follow Christ, to worship him, to come together as one body, one body of Christ, and here we see how there are all sorts of different um, ways of following him and vocation. So there's lessons that we can learn from that ourselves and not just something that the disciples needed to learn. It seems like it's also a bit of a reward. I mean, <laughs> they've kind of earned it, right? I mean, golly gee whiz, only John stood at the foot of the cross as among the disciples. And, uh, and I, it's just, I find it utterly fascinating um, that we have so much to learn in our day and our time, we have so much information, we have so much to that we could tap into, and yet, uh, and yet these these women can teach us so much about just courage, and um, and just joy, and embracing the Lord, and how hard that is for us who are are trying. We're just, we're trying, and still so hard for us. Um, with, we have a few minutes left with Father Simon Gain, Order of Preachers, Dominican, and we're talking about the resurrection. Father, let me ask you a question. And personally, what is your what is your favorite aspect of the resurrection? Is there is there anything in particular about the resurrection that you kind of love to think about, meditate on? I do love the story of the um, the two disciples who are on their on the road to Emmaus and the way that Christ comes to them. And, and appears to them the way they're unsure who he, well, they don't know who he is. They think that he's uh, just another traveler, but he is in fact the goal of their lives. And also I love the way that he interprets scripture to them and that it's Christ himself who is the key to the scriptures. He's the one who interprets them and he's the one who shows how the Jewish scriptures were about himself. I think the way he takes the lead with them then and the way that he um, uh, they only recognize him when he breaks the bread. It's that kind of gesture from the Last Supper, that gesture from the mass that's able to finally give them the clue to who he is. There are things I wonder about as well with the resurrection body. Um, 
the um, when when Christ uh, disappears, say, it, you know, is that because the resurrection body can move very fast, or is that because the way that that Christ appears or doesn't appear is something that's under His will because there's a perfect relationship between the body and the soul. There are, there are puzzles that we just don't know the answer to. So there are things that are very clear for us in the meaning there, but there are also things that make us wonder about the resurrection and what the resurrection will be like for us. Yeah, I don't think I have the answers, but I like to ponder. Very true. I've also uh, pondered. Uh, yeah, I'm looking, I'm holding out hope that in the resurrection, if it be God's will, if I can die in a state of grace and uh, I'll get longer arms because I seem to have the T-Rex package, Father. So uh, 30 years old, full head of hair, slim and long arms. That's that's kind of I'm ho holding out hope that that'll be the case. But uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Father Simon Gain, Order of Preachers, thank you for your time today. Uh, professor over at the Anglican Uni Anglicum University in Rome. God bless you. God love you, Father. Have a great day. Thank you very much. You have a great day, too, and enjoy the Easter season. Yeah, happy Easter to you, Father. Christ is risen. Truly, he has risen, and that is going to do it for hour number one. Praise be to God. If you can join us in the second hour, we would love to have you join us online if you can. If you can't tune in by radio, again, I lift all the radio stations that we, that we are live on on the website at grnonline.com forward slash edt. Just, look, just click that listen live on radio. You'll find us on the Guadalupe Radio Network and the Station of the Cross. But in the second hour, we have a good time. We have uh, good news for you and a trivia game show with prizes at stake, and you could win. Again, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Make sure to catch the podcast and sign up for the email list, too. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. 
Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first in facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Happy Easter to you. It is Monday, April 18th, 2022. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Dominican priest Father Simon Gain, Simon Francis Gain, actually, who is a professor in Rome. And we talked about the resurrection, you know, from the historical aspect of it to, uh, to how it impacts your life today. Very fascinating conversation. Be sure to check out the podcast of our show, which you can find on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. By the way, before I forget, if I am not mistaken, tomorrow is the cutoff if you are trying to go see Father Donald Calloway uh, in South and Central Texas region of the Guadalupe Radio Network at the Fishers and Men Dinner. If I'm not mistaken, tomorrow is the cutoff for... The, purchasing like a whole table, making sure that you can hang out with your friends, your family, whatever, at a whole table for the Father Donald Calloway uh, talk at the Fishers of Men event in the South and Central Texas market of the Guadalupe Radio Network. So if you're interested, you better act fast. You can do that by going to the website grnonline.com and contacting the general manager in our South and Central Texas Region. His name is Sean Rice, fantastic guy. You're going to love him, and he will be sure to take good care of you, but you have to act fast because I think they're cutting it off tomorrow, so do that. Now, you might be able to still buy individual tickets, but you can't reserve a whole table, I think, past tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So check that out, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. I, You know, I kind of want to go to that Fishers and Men dinner. It's tempting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I wonder if we should try to put together a uh, meet and greet in San Antonio in conjunction with the dinner. That would be fantastic. Wouldn't that be? That would be cool. You know what is going to be super cool? What? Uh, coming up next week. Is it this This next week? I'm pretty sure it's next week. Uh-huh. Uh, the winner of the Mercedes. Oh, They're bringing man. the Mercedes to us. Yeah. And we're going to do part of our show from the Mercedes. They're giving <laughs> it to us. They're not giving it to us, but they oh. are going to let us sit in the Mercedes Probably putting down plastic first, 
And then we could sit on top of the plastic, probably, because who would dear, want to mess up the brand new leather? Dear listener, if you are listening right now, you might want to tune in to our social feeds that week so that you could see how awesome the car <laughs> is going to be. Fun. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. So we're going to somehow finagle a way to do part of the show, maybe like our second hour mm-hmm. from the Mercedes <sighs> while driving around the parking lot. I'll drive and read at the same time. Well, they probably won't let us drive. <laughs> They're going to drive us while we're sitting in the Mercedes. I hope you have insurance. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> Speaking of needing insurance, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. It's it is it the resurrection. It is. Uh, yeah, you, you know, it. praise be to God. It's the Easter octave. How are you celebrating the Easter octave? I'm very curious because. That, uh, that means we can eat steak every Friday uh, for 50 days. No. What do you mean, no? Come on, no. it's Easter, my friend. <laughs> it's Easter. No. It's a celebration. Un- it's unfortunately, so in the new calendar, you can eat meat this Friday. Oh. So that's within the Easter octave because it's a solemnity in the in the new calendar. Mm-hmm. In the old mm-hmm. calendar, mm-hmm. it is not a meat day. You have to uh, abstain. And then after this Friday, we're back to uh, meatless Fridays Come for, on, for all, everyone. It's Easter. There you go. Easter all the way. It's up to Easter Pentecost. season, but it's only Easter Day Darn for it. the octave. It's Easter. So, okay. how are you celebrating the Easter octave? I'm very curious. I'm trying to find out what some traditions that people have for celebrating the Easter octave. It would be a great time to yeah let out uh, all the festivities. Well, I tell you what, maybe uh, in the after show today, coming up at the second half of this hour on our live social feeds video, uh, you'll be able to comment and tell us, uh, how are you taking, how are you celebrating Easter? How are you going to keep it? Any special plans? That could be part of the after show conversation. So if you want and you are able to, you can always hang out one of the live video feeds. You can even watch the show live right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. Let's jump in. We have some good news. We have the game show coming up at 15 past the hour. So be on the ready to dial the phone number when I give it to you. First caller gets to be the contestant. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's your good news story for the day. The Daily Wire reports... A 17-year-old was kidnapped in 1966 and was never seen again. His parent, his friends, solved the crime. Today, the story of a 17-year-old Danny Goldman's disappearance sounds like a far-fetched plot of a movie, but in 1966, it really happened. One night in March, a large man with a limp broke into Aaron and Sally Goldman's house in Surfside, Florida, using an unlocked sliding glass door. The man wore a hat and pointed a gun at the family, demanding $10,000 and using the couple's first names. $10,000 in 1966 is equivalent to nearly $90,000 today, and the Goldman said they didn't have that much lying around. The intruder said he'd take a hostage, their son, Danny. I'm going to hold Danny for security, he allegedly told the family, before increasing his demand to $25,000. He allegedly told him he would call the next day at 6 p.m. with more instructions. But he never did, and Danny was never seen again. 
Danny's childhood friend David Grubar said that at the time, he and others thought he'd be back in two or three days somehow with a crazy story to tell. But that never happened. Aaron Goldman died in 2010, and Sally died two years later. They never found out what happened to their son. Grubar and his younger brother Joe and several other friends, including Paul Novak, soon began spending their own time and resources to find out what happened to their childhood friend. Novak became an attorney and a six-term mayor of Surfside. One day, Joe knocks on my door and he tells me he's got a package of material from Sally Goldman and he thinks, I should have a look at it, said Grubar. After looking through the contents of the package, Novak and the others calling themselves the Posse began to piece together what happened to Danny Goldman nearly 60 years earlier. For nearly a decade, the group investigated Danny's disappearance and finally figured out what happened. Last year, in collaboration with the Miami-Dade Police Department, the group announced that Danny had been kidnapped and killed by mobster George DeFay, who dumped the teen's body in the Atlantic Ocean with the help from another criminal, Joe Chicken Cacciatore. Both DeFay and Cacciatore have since died. Novak was able to link DeFay's to the kidnapping by using a rubber glove fragment left at the scene of the crime, which was traced back to a clinic in Brooklyn where DeFay's had been a patient. That clinic was the only one in the U.S. that used those particular gloves. I was able to find out that this particular man who was the kidnapper lived in New York at the time and was a patient at one of those community clinics. He had access to the one type of unique glove that was found on the floor in the Goldman house. Other evidence included a taxi cab information uh, showing DeFay arrived at the Goldman house just hours before the kidnapping. DeFay also had a limp, just as Aaron and Sally had told the police at the time of the abduction. Danny's father has been a board, was, had been a board member at a local bank when he saw banking practices that concerned him. And he reported them, and there was a federal investigation into the bank. They determined that the mob killed Danny in retaliation for his father exposing a criminal enterprise. After 60 years, the friends finally had closure to what happened to their dear friend Danny. And that's good news. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Apollonius the Apologist, born around the early 2nd century. He was a martyr whose apologia, or defense of the faith, is considered one of the most priceless documents of the early church. Apollonius was a Roman senator who was denounced as a Christian by one of his slaves. The Praetorian prefect Sextus Tigidius Perinius arrested him. He was an illustrious Roman, even it seems a senator, and an exceedingly talented man. He was well-versed in philosophy, and he was denounced as a Christian to the Praetorian prefect. He was summoned to defend himself, and he read to the Senate, according to St. Jerome, a remarkable volume in which, instead of recanting, he defended the Christian faith. As a result, he was condemned to death on the basis of the law, established by Emperor Trajan. The sources say that he was subjected to two investigations, the first by the prefect Perinius, the second three days later by a group of senators and jurists. The hearings were conducted in a calm and courteous manner, and Apollonius was permitted to speak with rare interruptions. It was aimed at getting him to tone down his remarks, which were making him liable to punishment. Apollonius was not afraid to die because he said, There is waiting for me something better, eternal life given to the person who has lived well on earth, and he argued for the superiority of Christianity's concepts of death and life. The sources degree disagree on the manner of his death. The Greek Passio says he died having his legs crushed as a punishment inflicted also on the slave who denounced him. But in the Armenian account, he is actually decapitated. I say, how? what if they were both true? He died in 185. St. Apollonius, the apologist, 
pray for us. Choices, choices. Well, the gospel comes to us today from Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 through 15. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce the news to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had happened. The chief priests assembled with the elders and took counsel. Then they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this gets to the ear of the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has circulated among the Jews to this present day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysologus would say, They hold Christ's feet, who in the church present the type of evangelic preaching and merit this privilege by their running to him, and by faith so detain their Savior's footstep that they may come to the honor of his perfect Godhead. She is deservedly bid to touch me not who mourns her Lord upon earth, and so seeks him dead in the tomb as not to know that he reigns in heaven with the Father. This, that the same Mary, one well exalted to the summit of faith, touches Christ and holds him with entire and holy affection, and again, cast down in weakness of flesh and womanly infirmity, doubts undeserving to touch her Lord, causes us no difficulty, for that is of mystery, this of her sex, that is of divine grace, this of human nature. And so also we, when we have knowledge of divine things, live unto God. When we are wise in human things, we are blinded by our own slaves. Close quote, St. Chrysologus, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, a number of things from Cornelius Lapide. One is, the, why did the Blessed Virgin not come with the women to the, to the tomb? Well, as Cornelius Lapide says, the Blessed Virgin Mary did not come with them because she certainly knew and expected that Christ would rise on that same day when she knew that the anointing would be useless. So she had more faith, so she didn't go to the tomb. And what is the order of events? I found this very fascinating. Cornelius Lapide shows the order of events of what happened after the death of our Lord up to the resurrection. He says, first, Christ was in his passion during the 18 hours, for on the Thursday towards evening, he ate the lamb, he washed the disciples' feet, then he instituted the Eucharist and held a long discourse on love, and at last he proceeded to Gethsemane all which things easily take up three hours. Wherefore, about the third hour of his death in Gethsemane, he began to be sorrowful and to pray that the cup might pass from him. Hence, he reckoned all the hours up to the third hour in the afternoon of Friday when Christ died, you will find 18 hours. So he goes on. Secondly, Christ dying on the third hour in the afternoon immediately as to his soul went down to, into hell. But his body was taken down from the cross and washed and wrapped in linen, wherefore he was in hell about 36 hours, but in the sepulcher for 33 hours. 
Thirdly, Christ, as soon as he appeared in hell, that is limbo, he showed Adam and Abraham and the rest of the fathers and the prophets, not only his soul, but also his deity united to it. Wherefore, he gladdened them with the visions of his divinity. Then, too, did hell become like heaven. Whence he said to the robber who was going to hell in Limbus, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Fourthly, about the ninth hour of the night and the Lord's day, Christ, having passed forth from hell with the fathers, came to the sepulcher and showed them his body with bloodstains and the like. He infused his body with the veins and his, of his body and the glorious soul that Christ entered into it and then uh, animating and glorified. And then finally, I'm going to go and say last thing and hope maybe I can cover the rest of it at the end here. He appears to the Blessed Virgin before he appears to Mary Magdalene, and that's when we catch up with Scripture. So maybe we could talk a little bit more during the after show about the order of events, but that'll do it for right now. All right, praise be to God. It is time to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. And I'm going to say, looking at the questions You've got this. You can do this. This is not that bad. The phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. Rudy Carlos is waiting to take your call to line you up to be a contestant. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. Brand new prize sponsor this week. Looking forward to giving out prizes. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation 
by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor. And unlike the Roman soldiers, I can't give you a large sum of money to get you to keep my secrets. So you got to just promise me. You're not going to tell anybody. But there are a few things we like to do here on the game show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are certifiably the most amazing ever. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I do not ask the caller the question. So it's possible that they might not know a single correct answer and could still win the game. And that's because I will ask Rudy and Adrian, one of which will give me a correct answer. The other will give me an incorrect answer. And the caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the authentic and original divine cup of is the cup, cup of, of divine, divine providence. providence. It's Monday. <laughs> you got to love it. What could they win, Rudy? Uh, praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Twelfth and Blossom. Now, Husbands, love your wives. Mother's Day is coming soon. She sells fantastic original Catholic art, jewelry, and other gifts. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You can check out her website at twelfthandblossom.com. They are generously sponsoring our game show with a set of small portraits honoring the different titles of our Blessed Mother. Praise be to God. Yeah. Amazing. I, I can't wait. It's going to be great. We're so excited to our sponsor, 12th, 12 then, blo- 12, is it 12? 12th and Blossom. 12th and Blossom.com. 12th, mm-hmm. that's 1, 2, T-H and Blossom.com. Thank you very much. All right, let's go to the phones and uh, play our game. Jonathan and Ava, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. Hey, praise be to God. Hallelujah. Is this my friends from Annunciation uh, Catholic Church? Yes. <laughs> hey, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Happy Easter to you. Happy, Happy Easter, Easter Monday. Though. How was your uh, How was your triduum? How was your Easter? Sleepless. Sleep. <laughs> did you go to the vigil? Uh, well, I did. <laughs> Praise be to God. And was it four hours long? Yeah. Yes, it was. I was. We were. I, we were walking out. So you got there. Well, I got there late, but ended up walking out at about twelve ten. Yeah. Last you checked. Joyful day in the church, though. Eight nice. people You checked your oh, hardcore wow. Catholic card. Congratulations. Praise, Praise be to God. Well, this is exciting. This is your first time ever calling into the Fear and Trembling Game Show. Uh, do you? Are you familiar with how this game works? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We oh, love yeah. listening to this. All right. So then you know. You're then you know. You and I are on the same team. It's just us <laughs> against them. Are you ready to play? Yes. Okay, here we go. Let's see if we can navigate these tricky and troubling waters. We will start. As is our custom, our tradition, our patrimony with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, to you, Rudy. Good morning. Hey Rudy. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm so ready, Joe. You sound confident. 
Are you I, sure? I always feel confident in my blue tie. I was going to say, it's the blue tie. It's the blue tie. But I got to ask, are, are you sure? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I guess. Okay. okay. Well, let's start, with, uh, let's start with an easy one. How about that? All right. Sure. Can you tell me what sin is the opposite of presumption? What sin is the opposite of presumption? <laughs> oh, man. It's despair. Is it? It's over. Is it? It's so over. It's, despair so is a sin? Up. Yeah. Okay. Despair. Hey, now. All right. Let's uh, let's get a second opinion on this. Hey, Adrian, can you tell me? Hey, Joe. What sin is the opposite of presumption? What sin is the opposite of presumption? Well, that would be opposite of presumption. That'd be faith, right? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hmm. All right. So... Jonathan Ava, here's the deal. Uh, Brother Adrian, ha, he is saying that the opposite sin, the what sin is the opposite of presumption? He's saying it's faith, whereas Rudy says it's despair. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jonathan and Ava, what say you? Rudy. <laughs> so confident. Wow. Wise choice. Yes, Wise choice. of course. Yeah, let's, batting practice. You guys are on a roll already. We just knocked that one out of the park. We're going to go with a liturgical question next. So these can be tricky. I probably would never get these correct, but uh, let's see if we can't get it done. We will go to Adrian first for this next one. That's me. He You're still not wearing a name He tag. remembered my name this time. <laughs> but I've had 40 ounces of coffee, so that does help somewhat. All Liquid right. memory. Adrian, can you tell me? What is the name mm-hmm. of the outer liturgical garment, mm-hmm. a robe mm-hmm. with open short sleeves mm. and open at the sides mm. from the hem to the shoulders, mm. worn by the deacon at mass? What do we yes. call that? I, I'm picturing it in my mind. I'm picturing of an outer liturgical garment, one with that's a robe with open short sleeves and open the sides from the hand to the shoulders yeah, worn by said. the deacon at mass uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have that image in my head that is a uh-huh. dolmatic a dolmatic? a dolmatic wow okay huh. a dolmatic sounds like something you'd see on like the home shopping network sounds like a device it's a dolmatic but wait there's more okay hold on let's see what Rudy says here to see. Rudy, yeah. uh, you're a liturgical expert. I am. It says that on my paper. That's true. So it must be true. I wrote it in there. And it's on the internet too, so there you go. <laughs> what is the name of the outer liturgical garment, a robe with open short sleeves and open at the sides from the hem to the shoulders, worn by the deacon at Mass? What do we call that? Now you may be looking to the left and to your right and yeah. thinking mm-hmm. short sleeves. Yeah, in church. I know. Like what? No, but actually, <laughs> it's the canonical. Is it? Yeah, it's the canonical. That's that's what, what call it's it. called. That's the garment. Yeah, it's called the canonical. The canonical. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Well, Jonathan and Ava, let's see here. Rudy says it's called the canonical. But brother Adrian says it's called the dolmatic. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jonathan and Ava, what say you? Adrian. You, you, you say that with so much confidence. Um, I'm not sure that's proper to do so. But survey says. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, according to custom, if you have to admit that Adrian's correct, you have to do so in sort of a diminishing way. Just, no. so, you, just mm. so you know. It's in the rules. They did. They, well, they said it right. They said it right. I don't write the rules. Good. Actually, I do. But uh, that's the way it goes. But you're, you're right. It's the Dalmatic. Was that tricky? Did you, were you guys at all fooled by that one? No, not not really. And besides, you know, that even though, you know, Adrian, we have to be somewhat dismissive of him at the same time, Ouch. there's always more. There's always more, you know. The, you know, the amount of disrespect know. is unbelievable. Do you want me to rip up the two entries? I think so. Uh, about, I think so. <laughs> well, well done. You're in for two. You can certainly win, but I think we're going to get you in for a solid three here. Although, I'm going to say... Trickiest question out of all three. Adrian, what's your opinion on this one? Uh, this is easily the hardest question we've ever had. We agree. First time in CDT history. Wow. That's hardly the easiest question. <laughs> that's for sure. This, this is a historic is, moment. This is a historic moment. <laughs> in CDT, I, can we more like selfie? ever. Can we just stop and take a selfie right now? No, we, we have one minute left. <laughs> okay, let's go. All right, uh, we're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, what is the name of the good thief whose feast is celebrated on March the 25th? Ah, uh, yes. That's St. Nicolaus Cavea. Ooh, I like that. Sounds yeah. very cool name. mysterious. Cavea means cage, by the way. Does it? Yeah. Like Nicolas Cage? That kind of cage? Like, like, like okay. John, Johnny Cage? Like, we he need was a face-off here. Wasn't he? All right. Hey, uh, Adrian. Hey, can Joe. you tell me, what is the name of the good thief whose feast is celebrated on March the 25th? Ah, March the 25th. Yes, that would be St. Dismas. The good thief, the one who our Lord said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I dismiss your answer. Not Ouch. nearly <laughs> as uh, mysterious and uh, interesting as St. Nicholas, the cage. Gave? But okay. Uh, Adrian says it is St. Dismas. Rudy says it is St. Nicholas. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Jonathan and Ava, what say you? St. Dismas. St. Dismas. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. <laughs> you can admit it. Adrian is right. It's okay. We'll <laughs> offer it up yeah. for next Lent. Praise be to God. <laughs> Congratulations. You're in for a perfect three. Jonathan, Ava, you guys are amazing. God love you guys. I haven't seen you in forever. It'd be nice to see you again. Truly, happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, too. We're going to put you on hold, but to have a great day. Thanks for having a laugh with us. And by you guys, I can hear you in the car. Have a great day. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. We appreciate having a good laugh. Uh, but if you can and are able to, hang out with us in the after show. Hey, Jonathan and Ava, call back. You hung up. We're going to need you to call back. Uh, but uh, hang out with us in the after show if you can. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to watch live or find one of the live video links right there. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Monday of the Octave of Easter. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Jesus Christ is risen today. Alleluia. Our triumphant holy day. Alleluia. Who did once upon the cross? Alleluia. Suffer to redeem our loss. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and, and on earth, earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, You take away the sins of the world, Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who give constant increase to your church by new offspring, grant that your servants may hold fast in their lives to the sacrament they have received in faith. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed, You who are Jews, indeed, all of you staying in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. You who are children of Israel, hear these words. Jesus the Nazarene was a man commended to you by God with mighty deeds, wonders, and signs, which God worked through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the set plan and foreknowledge of God, you killed, using lawless men to crucify him. But God raised him up, releasing him from the throes of death, because it was impossible for him to be held by it. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand I shall not be disturbed. Therefore my heart has been glad and my tongue has exulted. My flesh too will dwell in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. My brothers, one can confidently say to you about the patriarch David that he died and was buried, and his tomb is in our midst to this day. But since he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants upon his throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that neither was he abandoned to the netherworld, nor did his flesh see corruption. God raised this Jesus. Of this we are all witnesses. Exalted at the right hand of God, he poured forth the promise of the Holy Spirit that he received from the Father, as you both see and hear. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Keep me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, My Lord are you, O Lord, my allotted portion and my cup. You it is who hold fast my lot. Keep, Keep me safe, safe O God. God, you are my hope. I bless the Lord who counsels me. Even in the night my heart exhorts me. I set the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand I shall not be disturbed. Keep, Keep me, me safe, O God, you are my hope. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body, too, abides in confidence, because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your faithful one to undergo corruption. Keep, Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. You will show me the path to life, fullness of joys in your presence, the delights at your right hand forever. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Alleluia, 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 
Alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce the news to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had happened. The chief priests assembled with the elders and took counsel. Then they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. And if this gets to the ears of the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has circulated among the Jews to the present day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, this week, we celebrate the octave of Easter. And in the octave of Easter, each day recounts one of the resurrection appearances of Jesus, kind of in a chronological order. I guess we call this week keeping up with appearances, the appearances of Jesus uh, in, in after the resurrection. And it reminds us during this time that we are to live, particularly, our baptismal life more intensely. In fact, already beginning in the, certainly by the 4th century, but already in the 3rd century, the Easter octave had become kind of a post-baptismal catechesis. Today we instruct people and then we baptize them. But in the earlier in the church, they would, of course, give some minimal instruction, baptize them, and then this whole week, you have people like St. Ambrose and St. Augustine, the Jerusalem Catechesis, St. John Chrysostom, give these amazing, amazing homilies, because those who had just been initiated into the church to receive baptism, confirmation, and First Holy Communion would come to the church each day during this week and be instructed on what it means to really be a Christian, what it means now in my life to have been baptized and united with Christ. So they call this mystagogical catechesis, that is entrance into the mysteries. So you see, for instance, St. Augustine saying, remember what you did, you went down into the water, then you came up from the water and rose with Christ. In the same way for us, if we've been baptized since we were children, I think there's kind of two aspects of this week, particularly this week of the octave, but also the entire Easter season. The first is, in our baptism, we have gone down with Christ and died. And so we have to die to ourselves. Well, that's what we've been trying to do for the last 40 days. And now we have 50 days to really live this out uh, better. So to die with Christ. But then that's the, the next part is to rise with him, to live our, our new life in Jesus Christ. That, I think, is what, uh, what we need to do. And St. Uh, Peter, in that first reading, from the Acts of the Apostles, says we are witnesses of these things. That's what it means, really, to live our baptismal life well, is to be witnesses of these things. 
Christ has risen from the dead. And the reaction of the women who saw him were, were, were twofold. They were fearful yet overjoyed. Fearful in a good way. Something amazing has, has happened. And so in our own life, we have to be, continue to have that sort of amazement and, and a bit of fear that something is something way beyond uh, what we would, what we'd expect. Something, something that is a little bit weird and strange because God, Christ has risen from the dead and yet overjoyed. Overjoyed by the fact that death has been destroyed and we have this new life within us. And they go to proclaim to the disciples what has happened, what has occurred. In the same way, we are to do that in our own life. As we should really live out our baptismal life well, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And that proclamation should be on our lips and more importantly in our hearts and lived out well in our lives. We are sons and daughters of God. What an amazing mystery. Dear brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us and our lowliness. Let us pray for the shepherds of our souls that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the Good Shepherd. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for the whole world that it may truly know the peace given by Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness, which no one can take from them. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our own community, that it may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the intentions of those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio Network and, and online, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Remember, too, those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, all those who have died, may they rest in peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Amen. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who has washed us in the tide Flowing from his wounded side Praise we Christ whose love divine Gives his sacred blood for wine gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, death's dark angel sheathes the sword. Israel's host triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe. Praise we Christ, whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread, With sincerity and love, 
eat we manna from above. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Accept graciously, O Lord, we pray, the offerings of your peoples, that renewed by confession of your name and by baptism, they may attain, attain unending happiness through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But on this day, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. For he is the true Lamb who has taken away the sins of the world. By dying he has destroyed our death and by rising restored our life. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Song to whose, song to whose, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. 
Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And, and with your spirit. spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tollis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatam hundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love Thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart, with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise, Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament we Thee adore, Oh, make us love Thee more and more. Oh, make us love Thee more and more. Let us pray. May the grace of this Paschal Sacrament abound in our minds, we pray, O Lord, and make those you have set on the way of eternal salvation worthy of your gifts, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May God, who by the resurrection of his only begotten Son, was pleased to confer on you the gift of redemption and of adoption, give you gladness by his blessing. Amen. May he, by whose redeeming work you have received the gift of everlasting freedom, make you heirs to an eternal inheritance. Amen. And may you, who have already risen with Christ in baptism through faith, by living in a right manner on this earth, be united with him in the homeland of heaven. Amen. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace. Alleluia. Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, 
Hallelujah. O sons and daughters, let us sing. The King of heaven, our glorious King, from death to day rose triumphing. Hallelujah. 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 Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee.